Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, Sean Steffi. I'm excited to welcome back to the podcast, friend of the podcast, Tom Taker of Hawkeye Report and On3. Tom, thanks for joining me. It's great to be here. Got plenty to talk about after the last uh, 24 hours or so. Yeah, as a joke, like, are we going to find enough to talk about? But huh. let's start with Cooper. Um, yeah. That's the it's biggest all conversations. thing. Yeah, all conversations yeah. on Iowa football start with Cooper DeGene today. Boy. Yeah, so we find out, officially found out last night that Cooper DeGene suffered a season-ending injury in practice, a lower leg injury. Kurt Farron said more than six, eight weeks on recovery. So it looks like we have seen probably the last of yeah. Cooper DeGene considering yeah. that he can make a lot of money here in April, potentially. There's no reason for him to come back and play another game. I know he would probably love to come back and maybe play in a New Year's Day bowl game, but um, there's really no reason to do that. Uh, there's no reason to risk his health um, and uh, and his future in the NFL. It, it, it stinks that he's not able to play one last game at Kinnick Stadium, you know, maybe make one, another – Magical memory for Iowa fans, like he almost did against Minnesota. Well, he did, but then he didn't at, against Minnesota. But um, you know, he it would be cool if somehow maybe they can figure out a way to give him one last coop. Uh, you know that the fans have enjoyed doing and really gotten into and and and, and given him one last kind of send off. Maybe they'll do that somehow. Maybe um, they'll, they'll pick a time you know, at the end of, or before the game starts or something, have him come out and wave his hand in the air and everybody can give him a coop. And, uh, but the biggest thing for Iowa football is he's, a, he's an all American quarterback. Yeah. There's no good time to lose no. uh, mid season, all American finalists for the Nagurski trophy. You know, we could talk the whole time just going through his accolades like it isn't like oh this is a good time to lose. There's your no good best time. Player. Yeah, yeah, he is. You know, he is so integral to what they do defensively because he essentially one half of the field is gone, and um, and you know he's excelled so much this year, and and um, also by the way, best punt returner probably in the country, um, and um, you know. Uh, one of the best gunners in the country down in balls inside the five yard line, um, you know, on, on Tory Taylor punts. And he was an offensive player a little bit, you know, two plays, two plays. Hey, he got two plays. And uh, you know, the irony of the rumor that he got injured playing offense yesterday is just not lost on anyone. I mean, it's just, of course that would happen, you know, of course. Well, it puts a pretty big, hole here Deshaun Lee is the guy who sounds like he's me the one stepping up I guess that's maybe one blessing of Jamari Harris's sports wagering suspension at the beginning of the season is sure. Deshaun Lee have got out there while the bullets were flying as yeah. I believe Kirk has used that analogy a few times mm -hmm. if I'm remembering right but he's gotten a few opportunities there and okay, at least you have that experience to go back on, but it's not going to be an easy challenge or it's not going to be an easy task. It will be a challenge when that first game is against Isaiah Williams, probably 
as good of a wide receiver maybe as Iowa has seen this season? Yeah, he's probably the best wide receiver they've seen this season. They haven't seen Marvin Harrison, so uh, that'd probably be, you know, or one of the other guys from Ohio State probably be, you know, 1A. I, I, maybe the the guy from Penn State was pretty good too, Lambert. Um, yeah. You know, he, was, he was really good. But, yeah, they haven't faced anybody the caliber of Williams who's got 68 catches, I think, this year. So, um, and the Bryant kid's not bad too from, from Illinois. I think he's got 30-some catches. So, They've got um, they got some talent at wide receiver, and um, the good news is Deshaun. I thought game one he was okay. Game two I thought he played pretty well against Iowa State. I thought he was he had a really good game. He seemed to be a willing tackler. Uh, he's not afraid to put his nose in there and and uh, try and get some stuff done. So um, I think he'll be okay. Uh, but there, it just it makes that thinness at corner even more pronounced because at least you had Sean Lee. Now, after that, you know, if they go dime, they're probably going to like Cohen Entringer and bringing him in as a safety. If they go dime coverage, I think that's just me. So um, I, I, th- I think that's it's just, you know, Devin Hilson, John Nestor, uh, Brendan Dees Fernandez are probably the next three guys on that list. And none of them have played, any real snaps uh, in a game. And that's where you go into kind of the problem that Iowa had last year when DeGene goes down. And fortunately it was only just that one game missed that time. But when you don't have that depth, it can get exposed pretty quickly. And Mm -hmm. you're going to be going up against some pass heavy teams. This is not the Illinois of Chase Brown that Iowa saw last year. Yeah, this is a good, um, you know, this is an Illinois team that's going to throw the ball a little bit more than they ran the ball last year. Uh, they were primarily heavy run uh, last year with Chase Brown, but this year, Luke Altmeyer, and then, you know, John Paddock, who's not going to start for them, apparently. <laughs> Allegedly. If you, if you believe Brett Bielema, he's not going to start. And, um, yeah, he's um, – you know, Paddock threw for 507 yards last week against Indiana. Now, Indiana, not, not as good, but um, I kind of wonder if there's going to, you know, the, the over-under this week is 30, but I kind of wonder if we're going to blow past this because Illinois' defense is not as good as it was last year. They lost three guys in the defensive backfield to the NFL, including a you know top-level top pick in Witherspoon. Uh, so you wonder they, – they're taking a step back. So you wonder if Iowa's offense is going to have a good day, but also Illinois' offense might have a better day. Although I don't know how Phil Parker does it. I mean, three last four games, they've not yielded. They've yielded one touchdown in the last four games, and they've held teams to single digits in three of the last four games too. It's just it's incredible what they've done in the last month. I don't care who you're playing. It's incredible what they're doing. Oh, yeah, and to your point about Paddock, I obviously don't have the record book right in front of me, but I have, and I don't think this is tracked in the record book either, but there can't be many times when you have somebody win big 10 offensive player of the week and then get benched the following week. And when we talked to Jay Neiman yesterday on zoom, it sounds like they are very much preparing for the possibility of also seeing paddock unless Altmeyer just comes out there and looks as Neiman called it red hot. 
which obviously Neiman and all of the Hawkeyes hope is not the case. So this could be an interesting Illinois team, but to your point also with Iowa's defense, it is unbelievable. And kind of after last year when they gave up only, I think it's 3.99 yards per play, you were thinking, okay, there's no way they're going to be this good again. And now they're at, what, 4.0 yards allowed per play? Yep, they did right, it right at the same spot, right at the same spot. And that's losing Jack Campbell and Riley Moss to the NFL and and, and Kayvon Merriweather and Lucas Van Ness. And, um, you know, they, they lost some talent uh, from last year's team, and it has just been plug and play. I mean, you know, Jay Higgins, I think he's right there. Lead, you know, he leads the Big Ten in tackles. It might be the right in the mix for the country. Uh, yeah, I think maybe second off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, he might be second, uh, but still playing at an All-American level. I mean, and who would have predicted that uh, following up Jack Campbell that that uh, Jay would 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 do that? And also probably future Golden Gavel winner Jay Higgins, too, uh, which is more important for us. Right. Right, John? Yes. Most Best important interview on the team. Best interview on the team is Jay Higgins. He's just he's there every week and he answers every question. And he does so with great depth and care and respect. And um, that's what I love about that kid is he's just, you know, he'll tell it like it is. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing because, you know, the sacks are down, the turnovers are down. Way down. Way down. I mean, the interceptions where they have eight this year, I think, in total. And sacks are other than a like one game where they had six, they just haven't had a big sack game. But here we are, and they're still doing what they're doing and doing it at a very high level. And it seems like this run defense the last kind of two months, month and a half or so, it feels yeah. like kind of when the calendar shifted from September to October, we've just seen that unit reach another level. And it's not like they haven't gone up against any good running backs. You see Kyle Manungai, the yep, leading the Big Ten. Yeah, you look week before Northwestern. That's a team that likes to run the ball. You can just Braylon go down Allen. the list. Yeah, Braylon, Braylon Allen, Allen. Yeah. less than a hundred yards, and some yeah. of that too is probably Wisconsin's play calling. I don't think the Badgers <laughs> did as much as they could to put Allen in positions to make plays, but yeah. still, that's really good numbers there. For a team that you thought, okay, and also you were mentioning all the players they don't have, Noah Shannon, too. Yeah, Noah Shannon. Yeah, two-year starter. Yeah, haven't had him for a snap this year. And Uh, that's probably a good segue to talking about Shannon. Uh, As we record this on Thursday, had just gotten the announcement that Shannon will be the honorary captain for senior day. this should be, I think, a really cool moment at Kinnick. Oh, just awesome. Like I said, you know, the coop thing. So they need to figure out a way to get a, a, a giant coop uh, chant going of some sort um, from Iowa fans before the game. But Noah Shannon was going to be, you know, the two guys that I thought c- coming into senior day that were probably going to get the biggest ovation. One of them's Tory Taylor. Uh, Iowa's, Iowa loves their punters. You know, we Iowans love two things: Casey's Pizza and and uh, and uh, uh, punters. So, <laughs> you know, love Tory Taylor. So, um, you know, he's going to get a huge ovation. I mean, what other school in the country cheers when their punter comes out to the 
to the uh, field to punt. And none of them. None of them. There's no other place where that happens. And it's just how kind of, you know, weird and strange and embracing the weird Iowa fans are. Uh, and it's great. Uh, but I think Noah's going to get the second biggest ovation because everybody feels like he got screwed. And he got screwed bad by the NCAA uh, because they got his hopes up, let him practice, and got his hopes all up that he would be able to play this year and then just pulled the rug out from under him in the start of the final month of the season. And it is ridiculous what happened. It's a shame what happened to a good kid who'd made one silly mistake, one friggin' bet on, on a women's basketball game at the University of Iowa. And you punish him by not letting him play. And he came back. The other thing was he came back for a sixth year. Yeah, he didn't you know, have to do that. He didn't have to do that. He could have taken off this year. And it just it screwed him out of a year of his life playing football because um, he could have moved on, maybe, you know, made an NFL team, maybe made a practice squad, something, uh, and chased, chased that dream. And now it's makes it just even harder. So it just – it stinks. It really does. I'm just, but he's going to get a massive ovation. And here's the other thing, John, we know he would have been a team captain this year. Oh yeah. 100%. I mean, when he got invited to represent the team in Indianapolis and then had to decline because of this, um, he, uh, it's, that's assuring you that he would have been a team. He would have been one of the four players representing the university of Iowa every game for the coin toss. This is the way to get around that now. He's just the honorary captain, and he's going to be able to be out there with his brothers, and and that's going to be super awesome. I mean, out there with the kids' captain, too, and um, kids' captain named Cooper, by the way, this week. So fitting. Yes. So there will be a couple of Coopers to cheer for at Kinnick. And with Noah Shannon, you understand why the NCAA has some – gambling rules you yes, see why totally. it affects the integrity of the game when you have totally. athletes betting on because they're spending more time like let's say this is me humorous anybody who saw the Newbrill and eisenhower 2013 freshman baseball team but let's say i'm a star third baseman at iowa i'm gonna be <laughs> privy to more information about basketball or football or whichever sport but that being said when we're talking about the scope of what noah shannon like Kirk, Noah, you name it, they all recognize that Noah did something he wasn't supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But when you miss the entire season as a sixth-year senior, it prompts the question, is this really commiserate with what he did? Yeah. And you're really hard-pressed to say yes when one bet on a basketball game ends your college career, derails your NFL path, Knowing Noah, he's a hard enough worker that I'm sure he's doing things to still be in a good position, but all of your tape is going to be a year old at this point. It's like, it's like killing an ant with a shovel. Mm -hmm. You know, you just, it's, it's excessive and it doesn't need to be that way. And I thought initially that the NCAA was going to change these rules and and the initial ones that came out seemed pretty reasonable. They Mm -hmm. seemed pretty logical they seem to make some sense um, for the world that we living we're living in now, and instead, now they're 
I think they're probably sitting there patting themselves on the back thinking, oh, wow, we really made a radical change. You know, they're not banned now. They've only got to sit the whole season and lose a year of eligibility. How is that really helping a kid? What are you doing? You know, it's just, it's ridiculous to me. That's just, it's excessive. It doesn't need to be that way, Uh, but it's the NCAA and that's what they do. And, um, you know, Tom Brands went off about the the stuff too yesterday, but uh, he's calling on us to investigate. And I'm, I don't know if I've, I don't know that we're going to get to the bottom of it. I wish we could. Um, I've had a lot of people blame a lot of different people, uh, elected officials for doing this. And I'm not really sure that I think it was just a couple of people just kind of with too much time on their hands, trying to make a name for themselves. That's my sense on things. And it's too bad. Yeah. And you have so many factors that go into it because you have the state investigation, which then prompts the NCAA. So it's one of those things where you kind of, it's easy to look back and say, okay, if this one thing would have gone differently, if that one thing would have gone differently, what could have maybe been different about this whole thing. But Kind of moving forward two weeks ago in the regular season, yeah. Iowa, we've used the driver's seat analogy before. <laughs> and then they've kind of fallen out of the driver's seat. And they got thrown out the car, not the yes. car. Door. Yeah. Now they're, they have a stronger seatbelt in place, I guess. Um, not a perfect one. You know, I wouldn't recommend booking anything non-refundable. until it is for sure clinched. I have something booked with very flexible cancellation policy, but this seems to be a pretty good position in terms of Indianapolis just needing to win one of these next two games. Well, just, you know, if you, if you ever need a cautionary tale, look back to one year ago when they were in the driver's seat and uh, Nebraska came into Iowa city and walked out with a win and, Iowa did not go to Indianapolis. The Purdue Boilermakers went there. So um, there's this time they've got a little more cushion, got two game lead, which is remarkable considering they have two losses in in conference play that that they have a two game lead in a division in in Power Five football. But that just tells you how you know bad, for lack of a better term, the Big Ten West is. Uh, you know, two weeks left of the Big Ten West, John, and then it goes away. Forever. It's a very unceremonious end. The dust, dustbin of history, along with the legends and leaders, is the Big Ten West, and we'll pour one out for them in Indy at some point, probably. But uh, hopefully, we're there. But it, you know, Iowa—they're in control. They win Saturday, they're going to Indy. The Nebraska game cannot impact uh, the outcome of of that. Or if they lose this week and then go to Nebraska and win. They're going to Indy. So it's just, it's, it's all there for them. Uh, But I, I, for the life of me, and I think you'll agree with me, sometimes I don't know how they do this. It is like, it's like, it's like a magician. It's like, it's like watching David Copperfield or something. It's sleight of hand. It's just, how do they magically keep pulling out these wins? I, I don't know how, you know, but they do, you know, who would have thought that Deacon Hill when when there's a buck fifty left at North at, at Wrigley Field, no one in Iowa gear. I'm I'm saying this with 100 percent certainty. Buck fifty left in a tie game. No one thought Deacon Hill was going to lead them on that drive. No one. 
I mean, it just defies logic. And then he hits Caleb Brown and all of a sudden they're in position and then Drew Stevens nails the field goal. I mean, it's just, they're just figuring out, finding ways to win. They get, they get opposing teams to play into Iowa's hand and play the way Iowa wants to play. And for most other teams, that's like playing left-handed. And it just, it, they can't play this way, but Iowa gets them to play their game. And that's how they beat them. And it seems like all these games are really thin margin for error games where one play like that Deacon Hill drive. Okay. If that ends in interception, Iowa loses that game. You can go down with so many of these games, not really the Rutgers game, but pretty much any of the other big 10 wins and say, okay, if this one thing goes different, this could be a much different game. Yep. And I think some of the credit, too, in terms of winning so many of those margin for error games is you just have a really experienced coach that has been through this, a former Big Ten coach of the year, probably going to be a strong candidate for that award this year. Some competition from Northwestern, but Kirk will certainly be in the conversation for that. Yeah, he should be. He should be. And I, I think you're right. Iowa just has this comfort. They know how to play in these type of games. They know they're comfortable being uncomfortable in a game and they just kind of know who they are and these other teams. So, I mean, you think of it this way, if not for the officials making a a terrible decision, I'll just say it, it was a terrible decision. uh, And and the justification of it made it seem even more ridiculous. Uh, If they had not intervened in the Minnesota game, uh, I was already clinched. Yeah. You know, and that they're another improbable win. Who would have thought, you know, Cooper fields a ball and zips down the sidelines and goes by seven Minnesota players and ends up in the end zone. I mean, it's just, it, it defies logic. It just doesn't make any sense, but here we are. And they just keep doing this and keep doing it. And that's why I, I, I you know, I'm done kind of thinking that this team is going to, Oh, they can't keep winning. They lose Caden McNamara. They lose Eric All. They lose Luke Lachey. Now they lose Cooper DeGene. They can't win. They can't win. They can't win. And then all they do is to go out and win. Yeah. It's a logic defying. It's a fascinating team to cover. Yes. Like you want interesting when you're covering a team. And this team is all sorts of interesting in so many ways. And yeah. it, you just never know what you're going to get. It seems like on a given Saturday in terms of, okay, how do they pull this rabbit out of the hat? And it is at some like point it could down. catch up to them or it might not. We'll see. Yeah. Now, when they, when they stepped up in weight class against Penn state, yeah, they got their, they got their butts handed to them. I mean, they did, they got, they got smoked pretty heavily by, but it was close at halftime. Uh, but then Penn state just kind of wore them out and they were just better. And you know, I, th- I would think that's probably, you know, if they make it to Indianapolis, that's probably what's going to happen against Ohio State and Michigan. I might kind of play around with them a little bit and and it might be, you know, we'll be sitting there and it'll be 10-3 at half. But then all of a sudden they'll they, they find the the nitro in the in the Michigan or, or Ohio State gearbox and all of a sudden they're on turbo and it's 31 zip or something. And that's my my guess is what would happen, but you never know. You got to play the game, and you know the still poker analogy that as long as I've got a, a chip in a chair, I got a chance, and that's that's what Iowa has to look at um, going into these last 
two games and potentially three games of the season. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, I probably can't use the, I don't bet on it or I wouldn't bet on it analogy considering all the gambling stuff yeah. that's happened this year. But yeah. You probably wouldn't bet on an Indianapolis win, but if you think about just getting there says something in terms of that has only happened twice before since yeah. the big 10 championship game was, it might not happen when, when the divisions go away next year, it might not happen for a while with, you know, don't know. So um, it's going to be harder for sure. Yeah. You're going up against Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state, USC, Washington, Oregon, uh, you know, in addition. So it's just, it's going to be, the, the hill will be high, higher and longer to climb to get there. I think you just mentioned seven teams that all are going to have really legitimate shots at those two spots yeah. in Indianapolis. And you just look at that math, eighth best in the Big Ten, like that used to seem like, oh, but the eighth best team in the Big Ten in future years is me a pretty darn good team. Yeah. Yeah. Could be, you know, an eight and four team that's pretty decent. Um, just it just could. I mean, that's just how it's gonna be moving forward. I'm just, you know, we'll see what this happens, but I'm also like really fascinated to look forward and see what what next year is gonna look like with all these different things. Um and you know, Iowa, Iowa, you know, I was looking at the 2024 schedule the other day, just even the travel, I mean, you're going to Ohio State, you're going to U- UCLA, you're going to Maryland. You know, you go to UCLA and Maryland uh, in between, you know, a bye week in between. So, and you're going coast to coast literally in three weeks. I personally do not mind the UCLA trip in November. Let me just be mind. on the record about that part. Yep. And even Same. Maryland. Okay, I'll take a little bit farther south. Got a nice nonstop out of Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Reagan too so you can get there easily and all that so I don't mind that part but yeah it's to me a it's me a new world really starting next year where yes. you're not really gonna recognize 2023 and before Big Ten now watch me say that and you know you're still gonna have some Big Ten West-esque games undoubtedly oh you're going to yes. you're going to uh it's just gonna it's gonna keep happening but it's it's an inter- it's an interesting time for the conference uh, from a football perspective because there are so many different styles of football that are going to be merging together, um, and you're seeing how Wisconsin's trying to transition this year and it hasn't gone well. Um, and boy, that la- that performance last week was just boy that was a stinker up up in Madtown. I mean, they just didn't play well. So. Um, you know, that's, that's not going well. You, Purdue signs of life. You wonder if you no know, Minnesota after they beat Iowa had things all in control and PJ Fleck was already booking uh, dinner at St. Elmo's and, and Illinois beats them in the last minute and then they just get destroyed. So you, and Hey, by the way, PJ, you're going to Columbus this weekend. Good luck with that. You know, interesting race, interesting yes. conference. Well, also coming up in December, the early signing period. Yeah. So I don't have this number off the top of my head, but I think on three has Iowa ranked somewhere in the 30s, I think, for its 2024 recruiting class. Yeah, it's a it's a solid class. And again, so the 
big markers right now, uh, we have them at uh, 33 in the 2024 class. So kind of about where you thought they would be. Um, I think it's seventh in the uh, in the Big Ten. So um, again, about where you thought they would be uh, from a class perspective. But the big dates that are coming up, first portal day, December 4th, when the portal officially opens up for, for business. Now, there may be some guys that enter uh, sooner, depending on when the season ends. Mm-hmm. You know, they, um, you know, if Iowa does not make it to uh, Indianapolis, you might see some guys start to announce after the Nebraska game. Um, we'll, we'll see, but I don't, I don't expect to see a lot of guys declaring for the portal. Um, there might be some Iowa is technically with the guys that they are expected to sign and the current roster, they're six over the 85. So there's, and you know, there's going to be some guys that they're going to be negotiating with, uh, I shouldn't say negotiating. That's kind of a bad word, but talking to. Uh, but, you know, the Swarm Collective will probably be speaking with them as well. You know, with Sebastian Castro, uh, Jay Higgins, um, guys like that. Um, you know, who am I leaving out? Uh, uh, Quinn Schulte. Yeah. Um, guys like that, that, that uh, in a Luke Lachey, who, you know, we haven't talked to in a while, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's got NFL interest, but could come back. Um, we know Cade's coming back. Uh, but, there's some selected guys that I think they're going to try and keep for another year. So December, and, but you're also going to have to be very active in the portal too. I think they'd want to get a defensive back. Do they want to upgrade the backup quarterback position uh, given Cade's health issues and, and past, you know, with the, the ACL coming back from ACL now, or are you comfortable with Deacon? I think maybe that depends on how Deacon finishes the season and how you feel about Marco Lainez. Uh, I think it's pretty clear Labus has kind of slid back to third at this point. Um, are any of those running backs going to take leave? You know, guys want to run. Yeah. You know? And you've got um, a crowded backfield there too. You got, you got crowds crowds there uh so i you know is there gonna be some thinning out there um yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to see how the portal stuff goes but then december 20th we've got signing day and it's you know i think they're pretty locked in on 20 and i think they'd probably the preference would be maybe go out and get some guys in the portal to fill the rest any needs that they feel like they have like i think they'd probably love to go out and get an experienced corner yeah I think yeah. that's probably the number one. They might want to get two experienced corners, um, to be honest. But, you know, we'll see. Because I don't anticipate that Jamari's coming back. He could come back. I just don't anticipate him coming back. Cooper, obviously, is going to the NFL. So they've got to find some some guys there. Unless they feel really comfortable with uh, Deshaun Lee and TJ Hall and Devin Hilson. And, uh, but I don't – John Nestor – uh, I don't know that they're ready to commit to those guys to be starters. They may want to at least get one one experienced uh, corner, is my guess. Especially if these injuries happen. You think yeah. about 
like how I think it's 2021 was when it seemed like, oh, all of this cornerback depth, you've got Riley Moss on one side, you've got Matt Hankins on the other, <laughs> you've got Terry Roberts as your third best cornerback. He'd be starting on a lot of teams. Uh-huh. And then you, you look and, you know, Hankins suffers injury, Moss suffers injury, Terry Roberts suffers injury. Injuries happen. So even if you do feel really good about Deshaun Lee, and TJ Hall, and at least Lee is getting some time in, kind of going back to our earlier point about Cooper. But you're putting a lot of faith in guys, and then it can get even thinner yep. after that. So, yep. and yeah. one other position they're going to have to fill is punter. And yes. I, I would expect they're going to look to the uh, Pro Kick Australia uh, route again. Uh, somebody like, uh, you know, the, the next version of Tory Taylor. Uh, coming to Iowa City, and I think they've got a pretty good relationship there with with Pro Kick. Um, they, uh, for those who don't know, Pro Kick Australia is kind of the company that trains these Australian punters uh, who played. You know, most of them play Australian rules football, and they. Um, you look around college football and professional football, and there's just there's Australians punting all over the place. So, and largely uh, because of them. Yes, it's all the pro kick guys. So, uh, but they kind of control that process and kind of assign guys to different places based on. And sometimes it's it's better when you have a you've given a good experience to a guy. They're going to maybe give you a better punter or something. You know, they're going to maybe give you the prime cut instead of uh, you know maybe the you know it might be more wagyu than than just uh, off the rack kind of stuff. So. <laughs> Um, I'm really interested to see who they, who they, I know they've got somebody, they just haven't revealed who it is yet. So we'll, we'll wait and see who it is. Yeah. And you look at it, they certainly have a strong case to make. Well, they probably have already made that case a while ago. Oh yeah. But it's done. Yeah. But they had, I should use past tense. They had a very good case to make. In terms of you look at Tory Taylor's success, you yeah. got Lavar Woods, one of the best special teams minds in the country, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a lot of those factors that mm-hmm. okay, yeah, this is a spot where whoever you put there is gonna be in a position most likely to succeed. Yeah. And you know, the Iowa offense joke kind of writes itself right here, too. So there's that as well. But you really yeah, they're going to be in a good position to get somebody, well, good. Um, so that's probably not the biggest positional need there on um, in terms of the portal. But you mentioned backup quarterback. You know, that's been a position where you've seen attrition. You've seen attrition at wide receiver. I think probably wouldn't hurt to get a wide receiver maybe in the portal. But yeah, I agree. It doesn't help when you're you have the challenge of you're recruiting a wide receiver to tight end you. And the drawback of being a great tight end school is okay, wide receivers, it can be sometimes a little more of a tough lift. So it'll be yep. interesting to see December 5th and even before that, as you mentioned, with people announcing their intentions to enter the portal. Surely there will be no reaching out by any coaches before that first day (laughs) yeah there's no there's no back channel um contacts going on anywhere in the country it's just it's all just a surprise when you see names come in i mean come on everybody knows 
that's the dirty little secret that a lot of these things are quote unquote done uh, before they even hit the portal. And magically, a guy's got a list of five schools within 10 minutes. Wow. Why is that? Hmm. I don't know. Those coaches are just really fast on Twitter. That's it is, clearly it what is it important. Is. Um, you know, I did talk to Tyler Barnes about this um, before, and he said it is really important to be one of the first people to reach out to a kid. So I, I think that day you're really wanting to look at, have those names and, and get in front of them within the first 12 to 24 hours, because those are the people that are going to get the most um, attention from, from the prospect. So that's something to watch is uh, for Iowa fans. If you want to know where they're looking in the portal, just watch on social media to see guys putting up stuff about just received an offer from Iowa. You know, you can't mess around either. You've got to just react quickly and give them an offer. You can't just say, well, I'm just calling to say hi. You got to hit the ground running with an offer on the table because these guys, it's, I, I termed it um, the other day, I termed the portal process and finding schools like speed dating. You know, it's just like you're going somewhere and you're just you're going to spend like five minutes with uh, with your date and then you're going to decide who you want to marry kind of thing. Like speed dating on steroids there, because you think about the process, some of these recruits you're building relationships with over multiple years. Yeah. And, And most of these guys want to get to their destination for January. So you're like December 4th and you've got, so by the middle of January, you want to be somewhere. So you've got like literally like, and and some of these schools are traveling to bowl games and different things. So the visits are limited. So you want to get them on campus the next two weekends before you, uh, you go to a bowl destination. And the other thing too, is these athletes, they recognize that this is basically a game of musical chairs. Mm-hmm. When you look at the talent coming in and the spots available, Yep. Where these athletes have some urgency because, okay, are they going to wait around another week and risk those offers where they did have a spot? Offers have an expiration date. That applies for more than just the portal, but especially for the portal, those they have a quick expiration date. So, you know, it's like, you know, some kind of food that doesn't have any preservatives in it. Like, okay, you got to take advantage while you have it. You got to eat it while it's hot because otherwise it's just going to go away. You know, you got to throw it in the trash bin. So you got to, it's, it's honestly, and I've, I've asked um, Tyler about this too. The the month of December is just, it's completely unfair to coaches because Mm -hmm. you're, you know, say Iowa is preparing for a big 10 title game, a bowl game got signing day. So you got the, those, all those plates in the air and you're going to have portal in portal out. So you're going to have guys going and coming and going as you prepare for a bowl game. Uh, it, it just seems an untenable situation for a coach. Now they're highly compensated. I'm not saying that, boy, these guys got to work so hard. I mean, they're making, you know, uh, you know, a coordinator making a million bucks a year or a head coach making six million a year or whatever. I get it. They, they're well compensated. It just doesn't seem like a very good way to do business. And maybe no. they need to adjust it. A lot of caffeine intake probably on Evashevsky Drive in the month yeah. of December. And every 
everywhere. Every college coach has to deal with this. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, Tom, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, John. It was good to, uh, good to talk with you and, and uh, all the people who uh, are reading the Gazette. You guys do a great job at the Gazette, you and Mike and the, the entire team uh, there. So uh, we'll see you Saturday in the press box. Yes, thank you. See you Saturday. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into another episode. Until Saturday, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.